1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host Heather Bayer and as ever, delighted to be back with you once again. This is going to be a fairly short introduction because I want to dive straight into today's discussion, which stemmed from a couple of articles I'd read on VRM Intel, on Skift and on Matt Landau's Vacation Rental Marketing blog. So between Matt Landau, Simon Lehman and Amy Hynote, we had three different perspectives on what 's happening in the vacation rental industry at the moment. you know should we be concerned? Should we be doing something? Should we just not be worried about it at all? and I wanted to bring them together to to talk about this now unfortunately, amy couldn 't join us, but I was able to corral Simon Lehman and Matt Landau to come along on a zoom conversation and talk about where we are now, where we're going. And just one quote from Simon's article that I wanted to share with you. I am going to put the links to the article so you can go look at them. But he starts with, if you can keep track of everything that is happening in our fast transforming vacation rental industry, then you are a genius but I do wonder if I've got together a couple of geniuses here because they seem to have a good handle on what is going on. So let's jump straight on over to my great conversation with Simon and Matt. So with me today, I have two of the most prominent industry influencers and thought leaders. If you're on the conference circuit, you'll have seen and heard both of them from keynote stages to leading and participating in panels. And in Matt's case, a few surprise appearances. So let me welcome Simon Lehman, CEO and co-founder of AJL Consulting, specializes in international private accommodation and vacation rental industry. Simon's a serial, calls himself a serial angel investor, and is board member and advise member for a number of startups. And we also have Matt Landau, who is the founder of the Vacation Rental Marketing blog and the Inner Circle and the host of the Vacation Rental Show, which is described as the first ever travel show to showcase the magic of the vacation rental movement. And if anybody out there has not watched the Vacation Rental Travel Show, you need to go then. No, not now. Listen to this and then (laughs) go binge watch. I've known Matt for a long time and gosh, the sides of Matt I had never realized and um, you can see. Every, I was going to say you can see every part of Matt.
0: <laughs> That's a different show.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, apart from the Speedos, you can <laughs> you can see um, every side of Matt Landau and his experiences across the world. So, Simon, uh, you know, I gave you that little introduction. Just just briefly talk a little bit more about what you're doing these days.
2: Well, absolutely. Well, thank you, Heather, for uh, inviting us today with me and Matt. We're really excited about that. And secondly, yeah, absolutely, you made a great intro already. Not much more to add apart from the fact that I love this industry. And there's so much going on right now that we at AGL Consulting really want to help professionalize the industry for people to find answers, vacation rental companies, investor, private equity venture capital firms who try to navigate in this in this industry with all the acquisitions that are taking place, the consolidation that is, helping, uh, is ha- taking place. We just really want to help navigate all the industry players within this industry. And that's what our consultancy firm is doing on a global basis.
1: Thank you. Matt, uh, what's up with you these days? Are you filming season three yet?
2: We have just finished season two.
0: So we are just in the preliminary planning stages of season three. I get to enjoy a little rest. I'm here at my new home in New Orleans. And uh, not unlike Simon, I am just thrilled to be talking about our wonderful industry at this very exciting time. I've, I've always believed that vacation rentals represent this bleeding edge of, of hospitality. And right about now is when we have to ask some difficult questions and, and really start working hard. Now is the time.
1: Well, one of the big reasons I, apart from the fact that I love talking to you guys, one of the big reasons I wanted to get you together is that in the space of the last couple of weeks, you both wrote articles on popular blogs. Um, Matt on your own blog, Vacation Rental Marketing blog, Simon, yours appeared on VRM Intel, and it was all about what's happening in the the vacation rental industry at the moment, just the the titles of these, Matt's yours was The Vacation Rental Industry is Exploding, Should We Be Concerned, Simon, The Transformation of Today's Vacation Rental Industry, What's Going On Out There, and I'm also going to reference a post by Amy Hynote, she called it Who Are We? The Consequences of the Expanded Scope of the Private Accommodations Industry, There's three big questions in there. In all of these, it makes it sound like we're having this big crisis of identity and clarity. So what I want to do in this session, in this discussion, is talk about those three questions. What is going on out there? Who are we? And in Matt's terms, should we be concerned? So I want to start out with just recapping on some of the recent news. And I'm, I'm just going to read this off and then just go into a little bit of discussion about what's most important and what the impact is more globally. And then we're going to go down a bit into the weeds and talk about how this is impacting our listeners, our independent owners and the small to medium-sized property managers and see how they are going to be coping with all this. So we had Marriott's entry into home sharing that was quite prominently discussed on Facebook groups and in the media and on Skift. Um, Just to to break us a a little for the listeners, if you want to hear what's going on globally out there, then Skift is always a good place to go. There's always good commentary on what's going on out there, and you will hear people like Simon and Matt and others being quoted on there. Uh, then there was Expedia's rebranding of HomeAway and VRBO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely.
1: Um, I did call it Verbo the other day, and, and I thought, oh, yeah, it's creeping in now. <laughs> and then Airbnb's acquisition of Hotel Tonight. And then we've got the consolidators making uh, raising millions. Picasso, uh, Turnkey, Evolve, Sonder, Stay Alfred. I think, Simon, you can uh, probably expand on that and give us some figures there. And then, of course, there's suppliers raising huge amounts of money from Booking Pal and Rentals United in the channel management space to Properly, Hello Here, Breeze Away, to name but a few, in the technology and operations area. So there's a ton of money pouring into the industry.
2: If, he, if you allow me quickly, Heather, to jump in here, and I think before we get kicked off, I think there's another very recent event which I even see even of bigger importance to some of the, the changes that you have raised. And that's really, that's now Oyo who are, you know, bought the second largest property management company in Europe called Leisure. And I think for, to, to sort of fuel our conversation today, I think that's, that's, a magnific- that's a significant acquisition for 360 million euro that Oyo, who started with, you know, consolidating budget hotels and, and building budget hotels in India, that they raised over 1.3 billion in funding and also airbnb invested in them and the fact that they've now bought the second largest uh, vacation rental company in europe is is actually quite significant as well in that in that uh, space
1: yeah thank you uh, thank you for mentioning that one and we will go on and just well well let's kick off then and um, and start talking about what impact <laughs> all this is having globally on the industry we we hear words and i'd like I'd like you to sort of explain what these words mean because I think there are people who hear them and just are not quite sure of the, yeah, of what they mean. So consolidators. Let's start with what's it? What's a consolidator?
2: Well, that's a great question. Maybe I, I, I kick that one off, uh, Matt, is that, you know, the calling consolidator is somebody who by sheer acquisition wants to grow a larger business at scale, right? So consolidators are the ones who have raised capital. You've mentioned a couple of those like Wakasa and, and also turnkey, they built their own technology to an extent and felt that their approach of handling business is actually scalable. And and in order to become larger and and create a large network and and create synergies for operational purposes or whatever, they started to buy local property management companies in different geographical areas. And and that's what we call consolidators. So, So actually building a business model that ultimately by you know combining thousands and thousands of properties that you can be more profitable than just running a small uh, property management uh, company per se and and that has still to be proven and i you know that's a that's a very important piece here is that you've mentioned it has it has attracted a lot of capital there has been a lot of capital fundraising for these type of consolidators and and so far nobody has really shown that these unit economics work and that actually the end's starting to meet in terms of operating costs and inv- versus invested capital. And and I think that is that is really going to be interesting to watch in the future in, in how this is going to roll out.
1: Yeah, it was interesting to see, I think, think it was aCASA who was talking recently In I've seeing it in the Facebook groups that they've got a thousand jobs open in Vicasa across the world. Makes you wonder, how can they support all these employees?
2: You need capital. <laughs> <I think> it- <laughs>
0: It's also sometimes helpful to explain what something is not and the opposite of the consolidation idea is the idea of being broken into lots of little pieces, lots of individual moving parts. You hear the word fragmentation thrown around a lot. That's always been one of the biggest challenges about our industry. All these different kinds of individual moving pieces um, so I think sometimes, in order to understand the consolidation, everything getting lumped into one common process or company or streamline. The opposite is all of these little pieces moving independently and, and crazily from one another.
2: That's a beautiful point, and that's something you know we talked a lot about in the industry. While consolidation is happening, at the same time, fragmentation continues to grow. So if, if somebody is scared that somebody will take it all, I'm actually quite confident, no, they will not. And, you know, I, I explain it like a mushroom or a, or a vegetable. When you, when you cut it off, there's five more coming out. And, and I think that's what we're seeing right now. So while big boys are trying to consolidate the market and try to build meaningful marketplaces or property management companies, at the same time, companies like Booking or Airbnb or HomeAway are still allowing smaller companies or individual owners to list their property quite easily and make a business for themselves. So while these big OTAs are still growing in terms of supply. There's still more entrepreneurs coming into the market, therefore fueling the fragmentation and, and starting their own business. So that's, that's the beauty about the industry right now.
0: And it would also, a lot of these people who are concerned, it would be easy to think that if it was one singular product, one commodity good, that one company could come up and snatch everything. But it's always important to remind folks that this is actually an organic movement that represents so many different kinds of places to stay and so many different personalities. And you can't really monopolize a movement. You can be an integral player, uh, but along those exact same lines, I believe that that the independent owner or manager, uh, there is indeed place for us all.
2: Yeah, totally agree.
1: So in terms of what is going on here, Simon, can you put that in in a
0: few words? (laughs) What's going on here?
2: (laughs) (laughs) If we would know, right? We just uh, do a bit of speculation, but we're turning our heads. Matt has already lost all his hair. I'm in the process of doing so. So... It's, 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 it's a good question, and, and I think we're all trying to get answers for that right now. There's a lot happening, and I think what one point that you have definitely brought in is, is the amount of capital that actually flows into the market. I mean, that's something we can tick off. Yes, it's happening and and what are the effects of a lot of capital flowing to the market everybody gets excited looking for opportunities or whatever so so the the market is becoming very dynamic when a lot of cash goes into a market i think that we can we can sort of agree on the second piece that i've always bringing up so there's two more. The second one is this convergence in hospitality. And I love talking about this. And you mentioned Marriott. And you know, we've seen some other hotel companies having a go at this industry like Accor and Hyatt. And and I think Marriott's launch has created a, a Ton of noise, and I think they're doing that pretty smart in a certain segment of the vacation rental industry. Not wanting to control the assets, but actually want to give it a platform for distribution to good hosts, uh, being managed or not managed. I think uh, Merit is doing a great stuff. But convergence, meaning, you know, a few years back when we talked about hospitality, it was a, there was clear denominators or, or demarcation lines between the different products. Hospitality was hotels. And then we have service departments, then we have hostels, we have vacation rental, primary home, secondary home, couch sleeping, you know, all the different type of hospitality. And what I love about it today, we've seen the convergence. And how does this happen? By two things. First, by changing consumer behavior, because we as consumer want choice. So that means we are the Amazon, you know, let's say culture that we want choice whenever we travel. So sometimes we need a hotel, sometimes we need service department or we want a villa with friends and family. So we want choice. So that's driven by that fundamental. And the second thing that is driven by it is by the OTAs aggregating the different hospitality products under on one distribution channel. So, you know, we started with Booking.com 10 years ago. And I remember when a lady arrived at an apartment saying, I booked a hotel. We said, no, you did not. You booked an apartment. Yeah, but I, book, I booked it on Booking.com. And she's like, yeah, sorry, but you booked an apartment. So that was 10 years ago. Today, the consumer sees the difference and can differentiate, but all the products are on one platform. Airbnb has acquired Hotel Tonight, which you've mentioned before. So they're actually now venturing into the uh, into the boutique hotels. So they're venturing into different product, hospitality products as well. So this massive convergence that is taking place, that the lines between the different types of hospitality products is getting blurry. But one thing that it has an it has an effect by is that our customers of today and tomorrow, they expect similar services yes the experience piece is absolute fundamental we talk a lot about that but also when it comes to execution of services seamless key handling a good guest experience you know an individual home is fantastic but looking for the key for three hours is not fantastic and if you into a hotel you have this type of expectation so i think this is the second that is really happening out there and the third that is happening out there is that the vacation rental industry, if you want to call it that way, is fundamentally challenged by its technology landscape. And they've done the same mistake as the online travel space has. Massive verticalization, which means there's products for every single piece in the value chain, And that you can use. So to run a, uh, let's say, a a, a middle-sized property management company today, you probably need 12 different pieces of technology or software solutions to handle your value chain. Payment system, in destination application, this application, CRM, you need a PMS, you need a channel manager, you need a yield and revenue management tool. And that has become complex. And that has happened in the online travel space. Now this is happening in vacation rental space too. And what we're seeing to change here is, that people look for simplicity for execution of their work. And I think we will see some fundamental changes in how technology is provided. Because at the end of the day, I strongly believe that technology is an enabler, but not a differentiator when it comes to the broad uh, aspect of executing vacation rental.
1: I just want to go back to what you were saying about convergence, because we, you're talking about convergence, which is, is one way of expressing what is happening. In Amy's article, she's talking about a broadening of the category, which seems she's talking about going out that way and you're talking about sort of all in. So her her broadening of the category says that we're grouping all property types under one umbrella, which is what you just said. But she's saying that that is causing further fragmentation. And she uh, has one example of booking a property on Priceline, which was an apartment, but it showed – three times on the booking documentation that she was booking a hotel. So how do you see this perspective of broadening the category? And she does go on to talk about differentiating between second home owners and primary residents, you know, pulling them into the same category, which is causing some issues. And I want to go on and talk about regulations in a moment. But to, to just talk to me first about this—the essence of boarding. Well,
2: I mean, we can say that's what that's what the OTAs are trying to do. I think Booking.com clearly separates a different type of accommodation classes when you make such a booking. So I think I think OTA—you know—this may be a chance for a new entrant who really will focus on that segment again and say, you know, we're all about homes, and we're all about private homes and we're all about secondary homes, and and this is what we do. I think they want to make it easier for the consumer, but I think the consumer will push back if he doesn't understand what he books or he's not happy with what he booked. So I think this is a circle. I mean, I, I cannot believe that a consumer will be happy to, to, who want to book a, uh, an apartment and then book the hotel or vice versa and is not being uh, made aware of that. I think that is not going to happen. And, and, and you know, this might be early stage. On booking, that is definitely not happening. I think, yes, on Airbnb as well. I mean, you will see boutique hotels to book. There will be serviced apartments that they are already and and I think the consumer that still needs to be clearly differentiated. And I think that's the that's the role that that the OTAs play and want to simplify it in, the, in terms of the process and the product. But but I don't think the consumer will accept that. I don't know. Maybe Matt has a has a has a very clear view on that as well. But
0: no, I'm with you. Um, but I do think it's something that the independent owners and managers can work towards, which is articulating very clearly what is it that makes them different from a traditional hotel room? Uh, what is it that makes them different from a bed and breakfast? As this, uh, I heard the word awareness thrown in there a couple times, and I would probably add that to, to Simon's list. For the first time ever, people are starting to be familiar with this idea of booking out a professional home. And, of course, this, is, this has existed for many, many years, uh, especially in Europe, where it's probably the oldest, but I think it's reached a new level of professionalism or at least a new level of mainstream here in the United States that all of a sudden, and, I, and the, the statistic that I found, the closest one that I could find was from a focus right report from back in 2014, which I'm sure has increased, but it was that just one in 10 people had booked a vacation rental in the past year. So maybe if that number has, uh, and sorry, fewer than half of them had even considered it as an option. So assuming that number has increased multifold, uh, that that suggests that, that there's a new kind of, of awareness going on and it is the job of the, the small business owner, the owners and the managers to articulate very clearly what is it that makes your vacation rental different from, the next listing below you on the list that, of an OTA. Yeah,
1: Amy would argue that statistic taken from the 2009 to 2014 Right report because her her argument is that the latest report in 2017 broadened the category to include absolutely everything that's currently offered, whereby the earlier report focused more on the whole home rental. What What are your thoughts on that, Simon? Well... <laughs>
2: You know, what one thing I would like to mention here, which I love by the way, in terms of talking about statistics, we need to remember that today in the US, one of every three bed is in a short-term rental today. And that's quite fundamental. And interesting, by renting like by people who rent that, 83% of these beds are actually entire homes. And only sixteen percent are private rooms, and only a minute one percent is actually shared rooms. So I think we need to put this into context in terms of how big the market is today, and and, and to the numbers of MAT, they have that they have increased multifold in the meantime by the consumer who booked these type of properties. And it's probably down to one in four now who who have actually booked a vacation rental versus a hotel. So I well, think the land
0: What did you mean by one in three beds? I just didn't understand that exactly. So when
2: you when when you count total beds, that includes not the bedrooms, but that includes the number of beds that are in short term rentals versus hotel rooms of beds. So hotels and vacation rental together, every third bed every third bed is standing in a vacation rental property.
0: Interesting.
2: Who calculated that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I can make some advertising for one of my startups. But that sounds uh, like a very arduous <laughs> counting process. <laughs> that's transparent. I mean, it's easy. You, you calculate it by the number of packs per property. So that's actually quite an easy calculation. So you, you count the number of packs that are allowed within the property, and then you consider that as number of beds versus hotel beds.
0: So one in every three beds on the U.S. hospitality market are vacation rentals.
2: Correct. Cool. That's significant. Yeah.
1: It is yes, indeed. So let's just come back to the question, who are we? Matt, I know that you, you know, this is the focus for you, particularly in terms of the smaller operator. Can you give a definition of
0: who we are? I don't like to discriminate by size. Size doesn't matter, Heather. I, <laughs> no. I, I think um, more critical, more primordial is looking at the stake that the individual has in the industry. So there's a number of different kinds of stakeholders. We've talked about venture capital. We've talked about online travel agencies. And then I like to go all the way down to the very core, the very ground level of the stakeholders that represent the inventory itself. This I think is a big differentiator between our niche and and the world of hotels in that there's many, many more property Owners and property managers than there are hotel owners, proportionally speaking. Oh, sure. Uh, and this creates a whole different set of challenges and a very complex, the word fragmented it, it describes it back, a very complex system. Uh, but when you really remove all the variables, if there's one group of stakeholders that are primordial to the industry and, and that are unique to the industry compared to other hospitality realms. I think it's the owners and the managers, the people who control the inventory. In the end, if those individuals all got into one room and it would have to be quite a large room, but if they all got in there and decided that they were going to do one thing or another, the industry would change in that direction. And I think this is a reaffirming thought, a validating thought for people who are maybe a little bit nervous at this moment in time to recognize that you are indeed the core most stakeholder of the industry. So when we ask, who are we? I look at these independent owners and managers and and they don't have to be small. Um, There are indeed a lot of small ones who own one property. There are a lot of very strong management companies that manage a hundred or a thousand. I think that is who we are as an in industry, that's our DNA. We are the hospitality professionals that control the inventory at the end of the day, and that we must sometimes uh, take a step back and recalibrate and remember that, and make our decisions based on who we are and what we want, as opposed to all these other outside uh, influences.
1: I, I just want to bring up a quote from a Skift article, and it, it was concerning the Airbnb acquisition of Hotel Tonight. And they said, with this acquisition, Airbnb will likely find itself in a similar situation that was facing the major hotel companies. The more inventory or brands they add, the more at risk they are of cannibalizing their owners and hosts' businesses.
0: Oh, yeah. Amen to that.
1: Alienating those owners and hosts in the process. (laughs) You know, my, my,
2: my cynical feedback on that. To Matt's point, by the way, beautifully put. And, and I totally, I totally second what Matt says. And I'm going to we go a little bit deeper on that because, because of the complexity or the fragmentation, this industry is actually so strong, but we're not organized and therefore we have no voice uh, on a global basis. And I think there's a lot happening and positive things happening. But in terms of your quote, I mean, who, who says that Airbnb is going to keep that, that, that brand? I mean, think about it. I mean, for me, Outdoor Tonight acquisition was a smart acquisition. First, I said, okay, what is this? you know to justify valuation for IPO so you just buy some companies in create some additional revenue so you look better uh, on on the on, on your p l for potential investors and and for your uh, prospectus for your fundraising process and whatever but secondly when you when you start looking at it again and, and this is really no joke I've spoke to Sam shank eight ten years ago when he started with hotel tonight when I was running I said Sam we have to get together because the consumer behavior is going to change and we will we also need like vacation rental tonight. We, we don't just need a hotel tonight. And you know, eight, 10 years later, look what happened. If you look at the average booking window of a of an urban property, it's down to 10 days. So I think this makes a ton of sense also to cater for short-term bookings for the vacation rental industry. Now, the, the bigger question is, how can we cater for that in terms of logistics, bed linen? Do we have minimum stay of two nights instead of one? But it can be used. So I think the use case is there. Plus, Plus, let's not forget the type of consumer who uses a hotel tonight, I believe is a perfect potential guest for urban uh, stays in apartments as well. So I think nobody says that they will keep that brand. I mean, of course, they, they say at the beginning, but at the end, it's technology they bought, number one. And second, they bought the inventory on the hotel side, no question. But third, they bought the user base of who uses that application. And and it's massive. I don't know the numbers of downloads of Hotel Tonight uh, application, but it's it's huge. And that is an ideal customer also for Airbnb, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, Matt, for those listening, wouldn't have seen Matt's expression when i, <laughs> when I <laughs> cannibalizing owner-host business and alienating those owners and hosts in the process. Do you feel that? Do you feel that owners are, are going to feel alienated as, as these movements into what we might consider alternative spaces from our perspective happen?
0: Oh, that's a that's another really. I could I could talk, uh, did dive deep into this one for a really long time and and confuse myself. But the, the one thing I wanted to mention about the Airbnb topic is I sometimes wish, and maybe this is just the the inherent small business person in me, that Airbnb had stuck to becoming a, a medium sized business that would change the world and clearly what they are becoming is a gigantic business that will change the world. And what we certainly, what no one can argue is that, that it is changing things in one way or another. But I do think that the, the Airbnb core DNA, uh, specifically on the user side and Simon made some really good observations on the traveler side, um, which I hadn't even really thought about, but on the, on the host side, I think Airbnb is almost a culture unto itself. It's, it's created this entirely new world. Yeah. And a lot of the hosts use Airbnb because they love it and they love the etiquette and they love the way it works and they wouldn't ever think about listing their property anywhere else. And I think that's fantastic. That's a, that's a direct indicator of the great job that Airbnb has done in, in building that quote unquote community. Um, but what that prohibits, what that limits is that host thinking of themselves as an independent small business. Rather, they are a super host of Airbnb. They are a super user of Airbnb. When I look at people who drive for Uber or people who who sell on eBay, they're super users of that platform. They are not independent business owners. Now, there are some independent business owners that use Airbnb or use eBay or use Uber as a channel to generate business and i think that is a different kind of story but what i've always observed about the core dna of airbnb hosts is that they love airbnb and i wonder what happens when someone who who loves the platform because they can generate revenue when they're off for the weekend or they can generate uh, money off of the the side unit of their home i wonder What happens when that mentality of being a club member of Airbnb and all of the cultural things that surround it meets the traveler who just wants to book a a standardized uh, room in a hotel last minute for the evening? And when, when you start charging the same amount for an Airbnb last night, uh, last minute booking than you would be paying maybe at a, at a hotel down the street. I think it becomes very interesting and, and, and the traveler ultimately will choose whether it's something they, they want or not, but it is, it's, the, it's the clash of, of the, the Airbnb culture into the mainstream demand of travelers. And I do have no idea what happens, what happens there.
2: I would like to quickly pick that up, Heather, because that's an interesting one. And putting a bit more the commercial, let's say, glasses on or the IPO glasses in what Matt says, which, again, I I definitely agree. I always said, if Airbnb's strategy is now to turn its business into a more classical OTA, for all the reasons that Matt just alluded to, this is going to be fundamentally difficult and very, very hard. Because deep down, Airbnb's DNA is host-centric and it's not guest centric. But if you become an OTA, you flip that coin 180 degrees over. If you if you co- let's compare that quickly with the bookie.com. That is totally guest centric, totally traveler centric, best offer, widest offer, widest inventory, best price, now instant bookable. You know, this is their totally and I'm not saying Booking.com is not doing an excellent job in looking after their partners and their hoteliers and the property managers. They actually do an amazing job. Booking.com knows how to keep its partners happy while just delivering absolutely massive amount of demand to anybody who provides some supply. Now... Airbnb will be facing some massive challenges. And this back to your point, Heather, when you said, you know, is it cannibalization or whatever? And people feel, I I could definitely think that there's a risk. With a Hotel Tonight acquisition, it could very well be that a super host or host thinks, hey, they're going to hotels now or they're not going to look after me anymore as much as they did in the past. And that, that question is totally fair. But I think the bigger challenge will be commercially before the IPO, whenever that's going to be, to say, okay, who are we? And that's what the question we're discussing. And let's discuss it around Airbnb. Who is Airbnb? And I, and I agree, they've done a massive job. They've changed the world. I can say it now while we're on this call, they've created the Hoover of this industry. And I don't like that, by the way. I don't like it. I don't want to be the Hoover of the industry. And I'm sure Matt doesn't agree either. But if, if, if I talk to people who rent an apartment in Paris, they just Airbnb'd but they don't even know where they booked and they probably didn't even book it on Airbnb. They're still called an Airbnb. So if if Airbnb becomes the Hoover of the industry, we have a lot of work to do because that's not fair for all the people who deliver the actual service and the quality and the guest experience and the property and everything else. So that's a different thing. But let's talk about this quickly because I am very scared that Airbnb has to make this transition and become a broader operator as an OTA. This host-centric DNA will go away. And then it will become a me too, because they need to compete on, on valuation for, for the IPO, raising the capital that they're expecting. We've seen the Uber effect. They've demolished 11 billion yesterday in one day. Quite impressive, big expectations. Market didn't react to it. So I think there's quite a bit of volatility around it. And we as an industry just need to maneuver around it and make the best. But we cannot let Airbnb become the Hoover of the vacation rental industry.
0: And this, before you move on, Heather, this reiterates uh, one of my core methodologies, one of my core frameworks since the very earliest days, uh, which we refer to as the four stages of listing site independence. When Simon says we, and he's talking about we, the, the, the owners and the managers, the, the inventory stakeholders, we must use all of these platforms to generate business for ourselves. But becoming yep. dependent on any one of these platforms all of it's a sudden present a problem.
1: Yeah, it's something that I've, I've said over and over again, you know, putting all your eggs in one basket is probably not the best idea. Hey, Simon, I want to come back on. Um, in fact, both of you, you're talking about uh, people getting together. i mean, sorry, Matt, you, you mentioned putting everybody in one room and having that common voice. So uh, that sort of brings me round to the topic of uh, regulations and legislation, because there's no getting away from it. This is not going away. And the spectre of regulations is out there. I mean, I know in my little area up here in Canada, we've been, what's the word, kept away from the rest of the world almost with a very, very traditional market. And nobody ever bothered us. We just did our thing and rented our cottages through the summer and nobody ever cared. And I have to say, it was the uh, advent of Airbnb coming into the cottage country market and spawning a lot of what we would call irresponsible rental. And now we're seeing regulations popping up all over the place, and little townships and municipalities wanting to ban it altogether. Now, it's not going to happen, I don't think, but we're having a problem getting people together, getting everybody into that same room. And I just wanted to sort of put a shout out to people like Megan McRae in Nashville, who is creating this common voice for the industry. We have people like Heidi Stuber in uh, Seattle who's actually running for city council now and one of her this will be one of her platforms along with many other platforms that she's running on. So this to me is where owners should go and who owners are is part of the communities and not to sit back and be, and isolate themselves, but join in with other groups and get out there and create that common voice. And I love that idea of you know, the, Matt, of getting everybody together in a room because <laughs> that makes a difference.
0: Yeah. The, 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 the trend that I notice is, is there certain, let me start by saying Eric Bay in New Orleans, he's the president of the uh, Association for Neighborhood Prosperity. He calls vacation rentals a disruptive technology. And when you look at other disruptive technologies, you cannot stop disruptive technologies, but you must educate people on how to use them. And he likes to reference the early days of the AMP, and I would also give the other alliance leaders elsewhere. You have Michelle in Seattle, Michelle Aquavella, Jonah in San Diego, uh, Denise in Charleston, Jeff in Texas. That's just the United States alone. Uh, The trend that I've noticed is all of these people had to stand up and do something because their livelihoods were threatened because this business that they have come to to love and to call work was being threatened. So those are the ones who reacted and needed to do something. But the, the trend that I'm noticing is the destinations in which it hasn't necessarily been threatened just yet, but you can see it's coming. And the trend here is that instead of being reactive and waiting for some legislators who don't understand disruptive technology to come in and try to squash it, that's really dangerous. So the the trend is shifting from being reactive to being proactive to inviting over your five local competitors for coffee and starting to discuss things. In Eric's case in New Orleans, he literally had like, I think it was originally five people sitting on a couch, which is now several hundred people that uh, are suing the city. Uh, it all starts with with recognizing where things are going, recognizing that vacation rentals are not going anywhere, and proactively getting together with your local stakeholders until it's too late and you've missed your opportunity. So I think for all of the go getters, the DIYers in our industry, channel that energy, those instincts, and get together now if you have not already uh, before it's too late. Is it different in Europe? Simon, are these kinds of regulatory battles or challenges
2: different? Yeah, it's fundamentally different. I mean, I guess even though we have an EU, this type of law is, is really on a country or urban state or even on a regional level, right? So very similar, uh, I guess, to the US where this is not a European controlled legislation in any shape or form. This is controlled on even on a city level, obviously, in, the, in, in, in Paris and Amsterdam. And I think at the end of the day, we've said, we have some hotspots. And I agree This this is definitely a way in approaching it. We have hotspots such as Paris and Amsterdam, where, the let's say, the short-term rental in, in Amsterdam will be totally wiped out because it will be reduced to a minimum of 30 days. And and nobody can operate the viable business uh, with 360 days availability and only renting it for 30 days. So that's only going to be primary homes for somebody who goes on holidays and the rest will disappear from the market. Um, and that's just... By mainly two reasons for all cities. One is, you know, real estate prices for locals become uh, unaffordable, and and second, over tourism, uh, just simply too too high of a crowds so or reducing beds, is is the second one. I think in so in Europe, it's extremely regional. There's some some areas are are pushed by the hotel lobby for protection, like Mallorca in, in Spain is one of them. Uh, but, but generally, there is no current one movement across Europe in different countries. Certain countries are not regulated whatsoever, like Italy and, and, and other countries. It's, it's pretty low on the agenda. Because I think an additional point to Matt's point, I would like to sort of add in, and, and that's sort of a big challenge of our industry as a whole, by the way, and, we, uh, and even the smaller ones uh, that Matt alluded to earlier in the conversation, is we're still not good to communicate our value proposition. We are horrible at it. And and this is not just to our, our dear guests that we would like to please with our products. Obviously, we need to start there, but we, we're talking about regulations now. We're not good at communicating on, on a lobbying uh, level what our value proposition is, because we, we're seeing it extremely short-sighted. Regulators see very short-sighted. They see tax. They maybe see some health and safety issues. But actually looking at the entire value chain, I mean, the amount of jobs, tourism creates more jobs than any other industry on a global basis. And the amount of jobs we're creating with this industry for cleaning, for maintenance, for everything like that. And, you know, we haven't even talked about the carbon footprint. We haven't even talked about the fact that we're using houses instead of just letting them heated for the entire winter season nobody stays there and which is burning fossil fuels till the cows come home because we're not allowed to rent it out so i think there's a lot of other points that are actually speaking for our industry we're creating jobs we're doing something for the community we're, we're doing something for the local shops for you know we're not just they're not just going to the supermarket they want the local experience so, so our guests and, and our product are so much to a, to a destination, and it's not just driving real estate prices high and whatever, it's actually doing a lot more than that. And the second piece, and, and, and that's something I'm more concerned, and I spoke at the short term show in London about this, and also uh, last week I was in San Francisco at the Thor Venture Portfolio Day, and we talked about regulations as well, where I said regulations are here to be followed. And we're doing ourselves damn wrong if we're trying to to shortcut our regulations and get caught because it's only going to hurt the ones who follow them. And I think that's something I really urge the industry as well, that if there are regulations in place, then they're there to be followed. And we've seen that. And I would like to quickly tell the story in in, in London where five property managers got busted by BBC with an undercover camera if they're willing to rent out their properties for 360 days, despite the fact there's a 90-day rule in London. And all five PMs that they've approached, they said, yeah, no problem. We just list you on four different OTAs and we change the listing every 90 days. Not a problem. That, and they got busted. And obviously London is not happy and they're going to go so down so hard on, on, this, on this industry now that it's, it's, it doesn't make sense. So these two things I would like to add to, to Matt's point as well.
1: Yeah, you, you make some great great points and this is probably a discussion we we could uh, we could turn over to its its own entire episode but for now we're, we're going to be start wrapping up shortly i want to i uh, want to ask you to conclude with you know should we be concerned and to ask you both to to offer something to to the listeners in terms of if they are concerned what they can do to alleviate that concern matt
0: Um, This was the last question that I posed in my article. Should we be concerned? And the answer is certainly yes, we should be concerned. If we are not concerned, there would be a serious problem. I liken it to having butterflies in your stomach before you're making a difficult decision or doing something that you've never done before. Uh, But for me, being concerned means being that we care about this industry and we care about our livelihoods which turns to, so what do we do? What are some actual things that we can do that can influence the outcome? And I have a couple ideas. The first is to double down on relationships. These are the one things that cannot be accelerated or scaled or mass produced or purchased with any kind of venture capital. That relationship could be with your local owner or manager next door It could be with a guest who's staying with you for the first time. Forming real, meaningful relationships is a great first thing that you can do. Uh, Second thing that you can do, refuse any kind of business that's not on your own terms. A lot of times, an OTA will present a new rule that people are not comfortable with. And this is dangerous if you're going to be accepting those rules uh, because it's a slippery slope. You begin doing business on someone else's terms, and the next thing you know, You find yourself way out in the ocean without an anchor or a compass or a map. I like to recommend instead of trying to stop or block things that you don't like, instead trying to divert them. This has to do with uh, articulating what we do uh, as a value proposition better, like Simon pointed out trying to help local people who are arguing against short-term rentals to see that there is potentially a, a common ground, a compromise. I also like to suggest creating conflicts of interests. One of the best ways to slow down out-of-control growth is by arguing the opposite. One of the best ways I've seen this done is writing blog posts like 10 reasons why renting a vacation rental here in Florida is not for you, this helps eliminate the kinds of travelers that are maybe not cut out for your vacation rental business. If you're a vendor, 10 reasons this is not your grandmother's Marriott. These help you know, users see better what it is that we are offering. And, and the last thing that I always like to suggest, and this goes back to Amy, this goes back to Heather, uh, is support the organizations in our industry that are trying to put together that unified voice. Antonio's uh, vacation rental world summit. The VRMA group is is really, I think, making huge strides in their organizational uh, efforts. Uh, the Northwest Vacation Rental Professionals is sort of a faction of the VRMA who's doing fantastic things up in the Pacific Northwest of the United States, supporting these kinds of of events, which could mean attending them. It could mean purchasing the uh, the recordings. To me. Supporting the right organizations is the first step to creating a, a more unified voice, which, which, like Simon pointed out, is, is absolutely obligatory if, if we are to move forward in any way.
1: Hey, Matt, thanks. That's great. Simon? Yours
2: last. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> it's not much to add to Matt's last
1: word, right?
2: <laughs> but uh, in terms of summarizing it from my end, and it goes, it goes very much down the same line. You know, should we, should we be worried? No, we should not. We should engage. We should be curious. We should be smart, and we should be professional about it. And I think these are the four key elements for me. To, to summarize that, the engagement we have talked about, I think we, being smart about it is, is obviously very important as well. Get to know everything around the industry that you need to know and you, what you don't need to know as well. Be professional about it in execution. I think the relationship is a beautiful one. We can only repeat ourselves a times. Our business is not based on assets. The only asset our industry has is relationships. We don't control the asset. We're starting to We see some changes. But overall, our asset is our relationship to our stakeholders, to our owners, and to our partners within the business. That's what we're basing our industry. And if we don't look after them, we have no business to run. And last, but definitely not least, is, is curiosity. People need to have a base of curiosity to find out more. Before they're making decisions in terms of technology, in terms of agreements, contracts, you know, making sure, do I get the best deal? Do I not just run for the, for a quick and easy solution? And then two, three years down the line, you realize you made the totally wrong decision because you were not curious at the right time. And I think that for me is, is totally fundamental. And no, we don't need to be worried. We have a very bright future. If, if, if we do uh, these things a bit more cautiously and, and, and safeguard our, our main asset, I think we're gonna do a great job.
0: And so there you have it, Heather. Two ways to get to the same final outcome. One (laughs) not worrying and one about worrying way too. (laughs) I
1: know I'm just sitting here thinking, how do I I take But I'm just gonna wrap up with, you know, Amy also put six almost to dos in her article and two I just wanna pick up on to uh, to wrap up. And they both cover education, which you've mentioned, you know that education is my wheelhouse. I think we should all be educated. And so Amy says, you know, educate your guests about property types and set expectations. They're coming; Guests are coming with different types of expectations, but owners, property managers need to help in that um, expectation setting. And secondly, educating owners, this is from a property manager's perspective, educating owners about new models and changes to the industry because I, I know from my personal experience as a property manager that our owners just sit back and we manage their properties. They generally just expect the checks to come in. So it, it really is important to keep them in the loop about what's happening in the industry and not have them suddenly coming to, um, or you're reading something in the media or coming across something that's going to cause some concern. So for me, is I'm not even going to go there whether we should be concerned <laughs> or not. As a property manager, I am not concerned because... I believe we have all our ducks in a row in terms of how we handle what comes at us. And we do know that what comes at us is coming at a a vastly increasing speed and we just need to be agile and nimble and ready to face whatever comes. So Simon, Matt, that's that's, our time is up. And I'd just like to thank you both so much for joining us. Thank you. I I will be in Como in uh, September. That's my next outing. You'll be there, Simon?
0: Absolutely. Uh, Matt? And I hope to as well. Still figuring out some scheduling challenges for that time of the year, but my fingers are crossed.
1: Well, if that doesn't work, no doubt we'll (laughs) see you in New New Orleans.
2: (laughs) Yes, in Orleans.
1: Okay, thank you so much, Simon and Matt. It's been a pleasure. Thank you,
2: Heather. It was a great pleasure. Thanks, guys. guys.
1: Well, thank you, Simon Lehman, Matt Landau, for some fantastic contributions to this conversation. It's clear we are moving on exponentially in this industry and there is nothing stopping this juggernaut at the moment. What's also clear is that we have to keep up. We we can't sit there and watch it all go past us. You know, it's like the uh, the old guy sitting on the station platform, first of all, watching the steam trains go by, and then over the years, watching the locomotives become more modern, and finally, as the high-speed trains power by and don't stop at the station anymore. Not sure if that metaphor works. Seems like it to me. It helps me, actually, because... Sometimes I think, you know, i am I the person sitting on the platform? And quite honestly, I want to get on that high-speed train before it goes flying past. So if you've got any comments, I'd love to hear them if you want to put them on the show notes or send them directly to me at heather at com. I know that uh, both Simon and Matt would be interested to hear your perspectives. So go ahead and let us know. So that's it for another week of the Vacation Rental Success podcast. I have been super happy to be back with you and look forward to being with you again next week.
0: This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.